Well, let me just start by giving you an illustration about the sun. We know that the sun is a light that stays on 24 hours a day and seven days a week. All year long, all decade long, all century long, the sun just keeps on shining. The problem, however, is that the earth gets dark. And one has to wonder, with all this light, why is the earth still getting dark? And of course, the answer to that is because the earth turns. Because you see, when the earth gets dark, it's because it's spinning on its axis. So the side of the earth that faces the sun gets the light. And the side that doesn't get the the sun or doesn't face the sun gets darkness. So while the earth is going through its transition of light and darkness and back to light, the sun is still shining. If we find that there's darkness in our lives, it's not because God, the Father of lights, is turning. It's because you and I are turning. Are you hearing me this morning, this evening? So the Bible tells us that God, who is the Father of lights, in Him there's no shadow, there's no darkness. Because God is faithful, He's constant, He's consistent. And in him, there is no shadow of turning. And this morning, or I keep saying this morning, so you know it's a long day. (laughs) Somebody wake me up. But this evening, I want to talk to you about God's faithfulness, which is constant and consistent. So if you have your Bibles with you, because the title of this message is, He is so faithful, with the emphasis on the word so. Say that with me. God is so faithful. Okay, maybe you need to wake up. Let's do it again. God is so faithful. Go to James chapter 1 and verse 17. Let's begin there because as we go on through the evening, we're going to find how God's faithfulness is unchangeable. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, it says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation. The King James Version uses the word variableness or shadow of turning. Now, the New Living Translation says it this way. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So when we use that word variableness, which is the only word that's used in the Bible, in anywhere in the Bible, it means change or alteration in reference to God's character. Figuratively, it means fickleness, and we know that God is not fickle, amen? So with God, there is no variableness. There is no frequent change with God. With Him, there is no inconsistency, especially when it comes to how He feels about us. His interests, His his affection towards us, that never changes. So James James is saying to us that God, in God, there is no change. There is no fickleness. God is always and consistently faithful. He is faithful because he never changes. He's always the same, all season, all year, and in all the ages. There's no change in his character. There's no change in his mode of, his, his, his mode of being. There's no change in his plans. There's no change in his purpose. 
God is faithful. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. So when we talk about God's faithfulness, it is the expression of his unchangeableness. Amen? So go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to take some time to define for you the word faithful. And we're going to begin by looking at what Webster's Dictionary defines this word. First of all, it says to be strict or thorough in the performance of duty, like a faithful worker. The other definition is one who is true to his word, his promise, or a vow. You know, when a bride and a groom comes together during a wedding ceremony and they exchange vows, what they're doing is exchanging covenant promises to each other. They promise to commit with one another. They promise to be with one another. They promise to be faithful to one another. The other definition that Webster's gives us is a steady, to be steady in allegiance or affection to someone, loyal or constant, like a faithful friend. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul acknowledges God's faithfulness by saying, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now that word faithful in the Greek is the word pistos, which means trustworthy or trustful. The Amplified Version really spells it out for us. It says God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise, and he can be depended on. So the Bible here describes to us God as one who is trustworthy, reliable, consistent in character, and true to his promise. And that's a wonderful thing because that means that God will consistently and loyally give his very best to our lives. Because we're his children. And as believers, we serve a God who adopted us as his father who, who will never, listen to me, who will never ever change his views about you and I. He'll never change his mind when it concerns you and me. Because he's so faithful, he'll never write us off. He'll never cast us aside. He'll never forget us. And he'll never leave us nor forsake us. God is faithful. So it's a wonderful thing to know that there is a God that we can turn to who is trustworthy in our times of trouble. Even in the world that is filled with mistrust and broken promises, yet there's a God that is reliable in the affairs of our lives. Amen? That's such a wonderful thing. Turn to your name and tell them, God is so faithful. Go with me to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. One thing to know about God's faithfulness is it is in his inherent attribute. It is who he is. Just like God is love, just like God is holy, just as God is just, God is faithful. God doesn't have to work to being faithful because he is already faithful. That is who he is. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, we read a story where God appears to Moses and gives us this assignment. An assignment that was very difficult and dangerous. And then after all the excuses that Moses gives to Abraham, finally Moses, I mean to God, Moses finally gives in and says, Okay, Lord, if you want me to go, 
to see the children of Israel, who do you want me to say sent me? And so God says this in verse 14. I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now it's interesting because that word I am means to be or to exist. Now think about the meaning of that name. God took a, a, a present tense verb to be and use it for his name. The word also means to exist, describing God as a self-existing God or eternal. One who always has been and one who always will be. How many of you have ever used this phrase before when referring to someone, a friend, a spouse, or a relative? How many of you have ever said this? He's always been that way or he'll always be that way. How many have ever said that before? Everyone has said it from one time or another. But what exactly are we saying when we say that phrase? That, what was that? <laughs> what do we mean when we make that phrase? Never he never changed. Exactly. So when you know somebody who's always been the same way and will always be that way, you know that person's going to change. Well, it's the same thing with God. When he says, I am that I am, to be or to exist, I'm the self-existent one. I always will be and always have been. That's who God is. That's his name. And what's so important about that is it indicates that God's perfection, God's nature, his will, his purpose, his plan, his character will never change. He will always remain the same. God never changes. So God is eternally trustworthy Reliable, steadfast, unwavering because faithfulness is one of his inherent attributes. It never changes. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. And we see faithfulness being defined in this very scripture. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9. And it says this. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So we want to define faithfulness. It means he keeps promises for a thousand generations. And I love this because Psalm 119 and verse 90 says that your faithfulness endures to all generations. That includes our generation as well. He's faithful. He keeps promises. So God's faithfulness keeps promises to end, which is endless and eternal. Think about that statement. God is a promise keeper constantly, every generation. Our generation, the next generation, the last generation. God is faithful and he keeps promises. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let me give you an example here in verse 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 11. And while you're turning there, Hebrews 10, 23 says, God is faithful who promised. And Hebrews 11, verse 11 says this, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. The Amplified Version says it like this, Because she considered God 
who had given her the promise to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. So just like the son, God remains constant and never changes because he's faithful. So if he promised you something, he's not going to go back on his word. Because he never changes. He is a promise keeper. His fulfill, here's the wonderful thing about this. Because God's faithfulness is an inherent attribute, his faithfulness binds him to fulfill all of his promises. Are you hearing me? Go to 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 56. As a promise keeper, God is faithful to do what he says he will do. Over and over, we learn from the scriptures that whenever God says he will do something, he will do it. Pastor Sam was a man that I always considered to be a a man of integrity. And he was the founding pastor of this church. And he was the type of guy that if he says he was going to be there, he will be there. If he says he's going to do something, he will do it. If he says he's going to be somewhere at a certain time, he'll be there a few minutes before the time he said he wouldn't be there. He was a man of integrity. However, he expects the same standard with you. Because if you tell him that you're going to be there at 1 o'clock and you're there at 1.15, he'll tell you to your face you're a liar. I'm telling you, that's what he'll tell you. John, you know. You know, because he was a man of integrity and he expected the same from you. So if you tell him I'm going to be here at one o'clock, you better be here five minutes till one. Because the same standard he holds for himself, he also holds towards us. Well, God holds himself to a much higher standard. Because when he says, whatever he says, he will do. And you can bank on that. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 56, it said this. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people, Israel, according to all that he promised. Watch this. There has not failed one word of all of his good promises, which he promised through his servant, Moses. God has never failed to do what he says he will do. And this is what he's telling us here, that there is not one word that has failed Of all of his good promises. And notice he said all of his good promises, not some. Let me show you another example. Go to Joshua chapter 21 and beginning in verse 43. Look at what it says. Joshua 21 and verse 43 says this. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he had sworn to give their ancestors, which is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they took possession of it and settled there. Now skip down to verse 45. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. All the things that the children of Israel were enjoying in this new land that they've received, they've settled in it, they possessed it. It was what God had promised them. And it was being fulfilled because God said it was going to happen. Go to Isaiah chapter 55. What God says about you, you can bank that he's promised it and he will fulfill it. Think about what God is saying to you about your life or about your situation. What does God's word say? And you can be sure that he's going to keep his word concerning that. In Isaiah 55 verse 10 and 11 
Because God does what he says he will do, he has the final word in all things. And Isaiah 55 verse 10 says this, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now verse 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. In other words, whatever God speaks happens. Why? Because God is a never-changing, all-knowing, all-purposeful God, and what he says goes. So God's word is his bond. The scripture says that God watches over his word to perform it or actively watching his word in order to perform it. He keeps all the promises and fulfills every prophecy because his word is his bond. Someone once wrote this, these words. He says, God never forgets. God never fails. God never falters. And he never forfeits his word. And Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. So God's word is such a powerful thing because if he speaks it, it will come to pass because he's a promise keeper, because he's faithful to his word. Amen. Because if this was not the case, if God was unfaithful just once, then he wouldn't be God at all. Are you hearing me? And if he's not God, then we can't rely on his word or his promises. But Numbers 23 and verse 19 reassures us that God is not a man that he should lie. No, he's a son of man that he should repent or change. Glory to God. So the question is, how faithful is God? Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Say this with me. God is so faithful that he can... Rely, look and rely on him to help us in our time of temptation. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says this. A very familiar verse of scripture we all know. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to, of escape that you might be able to bear it. But I love the Amplified Version because it says, But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature, and he can be trusted. Glory to God. Go to Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. Say this with me again. God is so faithful that he'll strengthen and protect us. No, no. You just to say God is so faithful. I do the rest, okay? Let's stay with me now. You say God is faithful, I do the rest, okay? Second <laughs> Thessalonians 3 verse 3 says this. Yet the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and set you on a firm foundation and guard you from the evil one. The message translation says that God never lets us down, but he'll stick by you. Notice it says that he is faithful and he will strengthen us and put us on a firm foundation. In other words, puts us in a place of stability, spiritual stability. 
so that whenever things come against you, you'll be able to withstand whatever comes against you. You'll be able to resist it because God has strengthened you to resist anything that comes at you, whether it's depression, fear, worry. He's placed you on a very firm foundation that you will not be moved no matter what comes against you because God is faithful. Hallelujah. And the reason why Paul, when he wrote this letter to the Thessalonians, I mean to the, yeah, to the Thessalonians, it's not because he had confidence in them. His confidence was in God. And so it was, it's always a great comfort to know that God is faithful and we can rely and, and trust him in everything. Man, as we know, is faithless and will always fall and will fail and is always false. But God never fails and God is never like that. Because faithfulness is an essential part of who God is. So when God is faithful, he's faithful to who he is. Because of the fact that he's faithful because it's what he is about. That's his makeup. And so because he's faithful, it guarantees that he will never act or be inconsistent with himself. Because he can't deny himself. 2 Timothy 2.13 says that we can be faithless. But he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. So we have to continue to know and trust that God will always be faithful in every area of your life. But we always have to be mindful of that because we tend to forget things. Listen, we know that life can be very busy. We get caught up with life. We get caught up with the responsibilities of our jobs and, and at home and everything else. But... But we have to learn to just take the time, stop, and be mindful of how faithful God is in every part of our lives. And so we have to include him in every part of our lives as well, knowing that he's there to help us, especially when we need the help. How many of you can say you need help? Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Praise the Lord. Now go to 1 John 1, 9. Say this with me. God is so faithful... That he will forgive. There we go again. No, 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 no. <laughs> get, up, get with it, man. Get with it. That's my part. In John 1, 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is not only faithful to forgive, but he's also faithful enough to cleanse us. From every unrighteousness. You know, I picture a child going outside to play. And his mother said, don't get dirty. But he comes in all filthy because he fell in the mud and everything else. And he's crying and everything else. And what does the mother do? Takes off his clothes, cleans him up, and put, us, put on some fresh, clean clothes. That's what God does with us. He cleanses us from all our sins. And he puts fresh new clothing of righteousness. So no matter what sins we may have committed... And no matter how bad we are, God is faithful to forgive us if we confess and repent of our sins. Amen. You know, too many of us are carrying around baggages, unnecessary baggage like guilt, like, um, like condemnation or, or feelings of unworthiness. These are things that weigh us down and prevents us from moving forward. These are things that also cause us not to approach God. You know, when you sin... The first thing you feel is guilt, and then you feel condemnation. And then when you feel all that, 
you don't even, you, uh, it's like you don't even want to come to God because you're so ashamed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You feel so ashamed because you feel like, oh, Lord, I messed up again. Lord, you're tired of hearing this. You're tired of hearing me say the same thing over again. And because of that, it causes us from approaching God. And so what happens, we carry around that guilt and that condemnation. And it's weighing us down. And more importantly, it's keeping us away from God. But the scripture says that if we confess our sins, no matter how bad a sin it may be, and no matter how bad you think you may be, he says if you confess, he is faithful to forgive. He is trusted that he can forgive you. He not only forgives, but he's faithful also to forget. Amen. So we can have the confidence that God will forgive us. Because without this ability to do so, then he wouldn't be God. But God's faithfulness gives us value. Someone says this. They wrote, God does not love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because God loves us. God's faithfulness is often, well actually it is demonstrated through the sacrifice of his son. And what great love can anyone demonstrate than the love that God has demonstrated to us by sacrificing his only son. So even though we might not value ourselves, God values us. Go to Psalm chapter 36 and verse 5. To what extent is God's faithfulness? I think many times people make the mistake of comparing our faithfulness with God's faithfulness. And, you know, our faithfulness is, you know, we may be on one day and then we're off the next day. But when we compare our faithfulness to God's faithfulness, understand that his faithfulness far exceeds beyond what you and I can ever succeed in our own life. The Bible says in Psalm 36 and verse 5 that your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. I look at the audience here and I see husbands. And I believe that all the husbands in this, in this room are faithful to their wives. And I applaud you and commend you for that. But when you compare your faithfulness to your wife compared to God's faithfulness, his faithfulness far exceeds our own. Because God is more faithful to our spouse than we could ever be faithful That's how far his faithfulness is. That doesn't mean that we're not faithful. It's just that God is God. And his faithfulness exceeds far beyond yours and mine. It's it's unfathomable what his faithfulness is like. But I thank God that he is faithful. I thank God that even in my failures and even in my shortcomings, he's still faithful to me. Go with me to Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 23. His faithfulness also is exceedingly abundant. In Lamentations, is, is, it's a book that was written by Jeremiah. And um, I'm sure that when he wrote this book, he wrote this, uh, whatever pages that he used to write this, I'm sure that the pages had tear stains because he was considered the weeping prophet. And In this Lamentations, in this book, he was grieving over Jerusalem and Judah because of their rebellion and their sin and their immorality. And 
God had con- consistently sent uh, prophets their way to warn them and to encourage them and to have them come back to God. But they were constantly rebelling against God, constantly committing idolatry, constantly sinning and everything else. Finally, God says, enough is enough. So now Jeremiah understood that there was judgment coming. And he was grieving because of the coming devastation that they were about to face. And so we pick up in verse 17 where he says this. Peace has been stripped away and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out. My splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. Verse 19. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. In verse 20, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. So by reading this, we can sense the tone in Jeremiah's writings. There was grief, distress, depression, sorrow, and and hopelessness. Jeremiah was expressing intense sorrow because of the coming judgment that was about to fall on his people. And Jeremiah would sit weeping for Jerusalem and weeping for Judah. And it was described that his weeping was like someone mourning at a funeral of a close relative who died a tragic death. That was how his weeping was described. But watch this, because in the midst of his darkest moment, Jeremiah found hope and was strengthened with assurance. Why? Because he remembered something. He remembered that God had been faithful and God will continue to be faithful. So we pick up in verse 21 and it says this. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. You know, sometimes when we find ourselves in a very desperate situation, sometimes it's helpful if we remember if we stop to remind ourselves who God is and what God has done for us. If there's nothing that can bring strength at a time or in a moment when we need it, remembering what God had done before you in the past will always help bring hope for the future. And you know, it's a good practice to get into because sometimes when we're in our darkest moment, the last thing we think about is what happened in the past. We're focused on what's in the present. But sometimes we need to stop and remind ourselves to stir up our spirit, man, and say, wait a minute. You've been here before. God has always been there for you. He's always delivered you. He's always come through for you. So this is no different. And when you think about that and and, and remember, that helps build the hope. All of a sudden, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And now you're hoping, you're believing that God is going to come through. You may not know when. And you may not know how, but because God has done it before, he'll do it again. Amen. Why? Because he's faithful. So Jeremiah remembered in the midst of his darkest moment how great God's faithfulness was. And we also need to do the same. Now, this is a short night, so I want to get ready to close. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. God is eternally reliable and trustworthy and steadfast because he never changes. God's faithfulness is demonstrated often through his love and care for our well-being. God 
is like a shepherd who watches constantly over his sheep, watching and protecting, guiding and making sure that they're well fed and well nourished. This is what he does. In the story of Exodus, we read where God had just delivered the children of Israel from bondage after spending 400 years of slavery. So he leads them out and they go and they, they camp by the shore of the Red Sea. And the story goes that as they were all in camp, the Pharaoh decided, you know what, let's go get these people. So he gathered all the army of Egypt, the entire army of Egypt, and they all went and pursued the children of Israel. And the Bible says that when the children looked up, they began to panic and were afraid because the Egyptians were caught up to them because they were getting close and they were gaining on them. And when they looked up, they were panicking. All they did was cry out to the Lord. And so we pick up in verse 19. And this is something really interesting that I want you to see here. Because understand this, when the children of Israel saw the Egyptian army, the entire Egyptian army coming after them and getting close, they were in a, uh, between a rock and a hard place. You had the Red Sea over here, and you had Pharaoh's army over here. They had no place to go, no place to hide, and they didn't know what to do. And so we pick up in verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. So picture this. The angel of the Lord, who was leading the group ahead, God assigned the angels to go to the rear behind the children of Israel, along with the pillar of cloud. Okay? Now verse 20. And the cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. The angels, of course, being there with them. And as darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. So again, picture this. The angels of the Lord, along with the pillar of cloud, stood between the Egyptians and the Israelites. And the Bible says that the Egyptians did not come close or near the Israelites. See, I believe that the angels got to the rear in order to, to keep the Egyptians from getting any closer to the Israelites. Are you, amen? You understand? You're, you're with me? Now go to verse 21. When Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water and a strong east wind... With a strong east wind, the wind blew all, the, all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. Verse 22. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Verse 23. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. Okay. Now look down in verse 24. Now remember the angels are behind the children of Israel. God had opened up the Red Sea. The children of Israel began marching through the Red Sea. Two million people, women, children, elderlies, and men, all crossing several miles across the Red Sea. And the Egyptians chased them down into the middle of the sea. Now, while the angels and the pillar of clouds was behind them, 
Now, Exodus chapter, I mean, verse 24 says this. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and the cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. Verse 25, he twisted their chariots, making their chariots difficult to drive. And they all cried and said, let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, because the Egyptian, the Egyptian shouted and he said, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Now, God had slowed them down by bringing confusion to, among them. Then he messed with their wheels so that the wheels won't run properly. And again, I believe that God sent his angels to mess with the Egyptians to slow them up while the Israelites were crossing the Red Sea. Okay, are you still with me? So, as he did this, the children of Israel was crossing until every last member of, the, of God's people crossed safely over to the other side while God, through his angels, holding back the Israelites, I mean the Egyptians. Now, let me close with this story. It's a true story. It was a story that a pastor shared, and it was so inspiring for me, and and it demonstrated God's faithfulness. But it goes like this. This pastor who had church, who was pastoring a church of 200 people back in 1979, had this church, and they they were worshiping at an elementary school. Well, one day, the school board had a preliminary voting where they voted against the church from continuing to worship at the school. And so the school board notified the pastor saying that, listen, we voted that you guys cannot come and worship here. So you've got a month to leave. So, and, and they, were supposed to, they were planning another vote, a final vote, an official vote somewhere down the road. So, you have this pastor with a congregation of 200 people. They had nowhere to go and didn't know what to do. Like the children of Israel, they were between a rock and a hard place. And all they could do was to pray and cry out to God. So the day came when they had their final vote. And so the pastor got one of his assistant pastor to come with him to the meeting. And they would sit outside of the meeting so that they at least get the official word. Now, it didn't look good because the preliminary, the preliminary meeting already voted them out. So the very same people are coming together to vote to make it official. So the meeting was supposed to start at 1 o'clock. They got there quarter to 1. And so there they waited for the meeting to be over. So 1 o'clock came. They started. 2 o'clock came. They were still in the room. 2.30 came. They were still there. That was quarter of three. And the two pastors were still waiting outside, wondering why it was taking so long. So, finally, one of the women of the board left the meeting and went to the pastors. And she apologized to them because she said this. She said, listen, we're missing two of our board members. And so we waited as long as we could, but we couldn't wait any longer because it was taking too long. So we voted. And the voting, the result was 5-4 to your favor. So you can now continue worshiping at our school. 
But the story doesn't end there. Because the two people that were missing, the two board members that were missing, were the two that were against the church. Had they been at the meeting, they would have voted, and the result would have been 6-5 against the church. Okay? So when the woman was talking to the pastors, explaining about how what happened, and that the, the vote was in their favor, 5-4, and now that they continue worshiping, all of a sudden, these two individuals, the two missing uh, board members, finally came, and they rushed to the building, rushed into the building, apologizing that they're late, and, and let's, look, I'm sorry, we're late, we've got to do this, let's, let's vote. But the woman tells him, but sorry, but it's too late. We've already voted. We voted for. And so the two individuals dis- began to explain why they were late. Now, the two individuals decided to ride together. So they were together, driving in the same car, heading to the meeting. When they got into the exit, they ran into traffic. And they were stuck for two hours. Two hours, which was the same amount of time that it took for the people in the meeting to make their decision. And when the decision was final, that's when the traffic led up. And finally, they got there. God is so faithful that when he looks down and sees us in trouble, when he looked down and saw the church that they're going to have no place to worship, and they were going to be thrown out, God says, oh yeah, I'm going to send my angels to block these two individuals and use the traffic to prevent them from coming and let them wait for two hours until they come to a decision without them. The same way that we saw the angel of the Lord working on the children of Israel's behalf, we see the same angels working on this church's behalf. Because God is faithful. Are you hearing me? He is faithful. So if you don't think that God can do things for you the way they did it for them, I'm telling you wrong. God cares about you as much as he cares about them, as much as he cares about Moses, and as much as he cares about the children of Israel. Because faithfulness brings value to us. He's faithful because you're worth his faithfulness. You are worth him being there, committing himself to you, and and helping you in your time of need. He is our shepherd who watches us constantly, guiding us, directing us, and protecting us when we need protection. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord God. You are so, so faithful. And we give you glory and honor and praise, Father God. And we pray, Father God, that we've got a glimpse, a taste of what your faithfulness is like. And Father, we can go home, Lord God, meditating on that being mindful of your faithfulness every day of our lives, not just every other day, not just every other week, but you're faithful every day. And your faithfulness never change. You're eternally reliable. You're eternally steadfast. And Father, we thank you for that. Thank you for being faithful to us.
Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for being our shepherd. And Lord, we thank you, Father God, that this faithfulness of yours will bring us closer to you. And we become more intimate and personal with you. And Lord, that we can be faithful to you as you are faithful to us. And Lord, we thank you for that.